The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwatchwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Stallion, in over 500 episodes, this is the very first time we've covered this topic. And I don't understand why, because when you think passive income, at least when I thought passive income, I thought somewhat involved. I thought, you know, owning a self-storage unit uh, facility where my mom was managing it, living in, in an apartment above the, you know, the office. I thought having one of those car washes, not the fancy tunnel washes that they have on now. I'm talking about the kind with like the AR-15, like sprayer guns, you know? Yeah. If you get, if you get both of them, you try to, you know, like take off like a superhero. But if you, you know, get your sneaker, you, you, you knock off a toe, toenail or something. <laughs> or this episode where we're actually talking about the laundromat, man. I used them when I was a kid. I used them in college and they're such a simple business model, but very productive and very profitable. Yeah, but I'll tell you why I like it. Uh, the 20 to 25% cash flow, cash returns, like sign me up. Two, you can work less than five hours a week managing one of these. You know, I'm ambitiously lazy. I, I'm definitely in on that. But the reason why you should stick around to today's episode with Jordan Berry is the fight scene right after this intro. So if for no other reason you don't hear anything about laundering money and creating cash flow, you need to stick around for this episode with Jordan Berry right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, get ready to wash, rinse, repeat with my man, Jordan Berry. Jordan, so glad to have you on the show. Hey, you know, it's an honor to be here. However, am I going to have to endure laundromat puns this entire interview or is that 100%? 100%. This is the only podcast we've done on laundromats period in seven years Russ, okay. is that i guess no six years i'm sorry i'm adding an extra year but that's amazing feels like yeah. seven we've been yeah. out for these puns so you're right <laughs> all right all right here here's where i want to start us off jordan because you told us this off uh record and our our tribe needs to hear the story tell us about the time you got in a fight in your first laundromat. Okay. <laughs> you would start with that. <laughs> so I've got three to choose from, but I'll choose uh, my favorite. Uh, so, you know, whenever you walk in, my specific laundromat, whenever I walk in this laundromat, you never know what you're going to walk into. And this particular day, I walk in and splayed out on one of the folding tables is a bunch of just junk. Somebody's stuff is everywhere. There's drugs, there's needles, there's 
trash. There's all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, oh gosh, what's going on in here? So I walk in and I look over and there's a guy just kind of slumped over on the bench there. And uh, I don't know what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, this guy must be sleeping. I need to get him out of here, right? You don't want that hanging out there. So I go to wake him up. He is not budging. And I'm a little nervous to like check his pulse because I don't know what this guy's on or what. So I'm kind of shaking him pretty hard trying to wake him up. I'm like, hey, hey, wake up, wake up. He doesn't wake up. And so I kind of freak out a little bit. So I call 911 to get an ambulance to come out. So an ambulance uh, comes out. But before they get there, the guy wakes up. He comes to. And I'm like, hey, man, are you you doing okay? And he's like, yeah. So I was like, hey, look at uh, just you know, heads up. I was trying to wake you up and you weren't, you weren't waking up. So I called an ambulance. They're on their way here. Uh, pretty quick after that, they showed up and they come in with all their gear and they're trying to check this guy out to make sure he's okay. And they're asking him questions. And the guy is just not complying with the questions at all. He is just angry, uh, and not complying. And finally that one of the, one of the, uh, paramedics was just this big dude, and the guy is like not answering. He's like, hey, he just yells, he just yells on right in his face, like, hey, I need you to answer this question. If you know what day it is and what your name is, then we can leave. And so the guy finally just tells him his name and what day it was. So the ambulance leaves. I go about my business in the back of the lawn, but I'm like cleaning up a mess or something like that. And this guy is, you know, he's just pacing back and forth and he is yelling at the top of his lungs, like, He's like, you narked me out, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, I had headphones in. And finally, I'm like, are you are you talking to me? Like, I didn't, I didn't know he was talking to me. Uh, I'm like, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. You narked me out. So I was like, whoa, dude. I just, I was worried about your safety. I just, I called an ambulance. And so he starts escalating on me. And mind you, the back door is locked. So I only have one way out and it's past this guy. And this guy's just, he keeps escalating. And, you know, I'm not in there to, to be fighting or anything, but I'm like, Hey, you got to go, man. And he's not leaving. So I'm like, okay, look, I'm going to go. And so I go to walk by him and he steps in my way and shoves me. And I was like, Whoa, dude, like, Hey, I don't need no problems. I'm just trying to leave. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. And I was going to go call the cops after I left. Uh, but he would not let me past him and he swung on me. Now, one thing, uh, that is interesting is that for about 15 years i've taken krav maga which is israeli uh close quarters combat hand-to-hand combat stuff so i've been doing that for 15 years never used it before in my life uh but this guy swung at me and as he's swinging at me i'm thinking in my head like look i cannot get knocked out here because you know who knows what happens to me if i get knocked out here so things just kind of kick in and after he misses with that uh just wild haymaker uh i i hit him hard uh right in the face three times in a row and he starts to fall back and i sort of it's funny in my head i i'm sort of cradling this guy as he's going backwards and i'm hitting him with my elbow it's just not i'm not thinking about i'm just kind of doing i'm hitting him with a with my elbow all the way down to the ground and he is out cold and i'm like oh my gosh i like take a breath and like settle myself I call 911. The same ambulance ends up coming back uh, to check this guy. And he's still out cold when they get there. So they throw him on the gurney. They check him out, throw him on the gurney and wheel him out. And that big uh, paramedic that got in his face earlier came back and gave me a little fist bump. And I was like, man, I wish you, wish I could have done that. So 
that was one time where <laughs> uh it's just wild man it's like what is happening what is my life right now but wild story wow so everybody is is imagining that this is why you bought a laundromat yeah. so that you could you know start to use your krav maga is that what you call it? like krav maga yeah I yep. mean, Russ was trying to spell that. He was trying to, you know, hit the, the source <laughs> on what, what in the world you're talking about. I uh, pulled up some country singer, I think. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I know that could be the only reason why you would want to buy a laundromat. What was your reasoning by getting into this space? Yeah, well, I got cut from the UFC and I had to go get my fine. <laughs> uh, well, I real quick before I get into that, I just want to say like, this is not typical. So I don't want to freak anybody out from buying a laundromat <laughs> that just happened to be part of, uh, my specific thing. And I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, a little bit, but you know, the reasoning behind getting into this is, uh, really, I think what makes laundromats attractive to a lot of people is that, um, you know, the, the dream of income coming in with very little time, you know, required to get that income, right. That was the dream. And so how that came up, uh, about with us is that uh, we actually had a friend who was working a, a, a tech job in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's working 70, 80 hours a week. And he ended up buying a laundromat and replacing his tech income and went down to working about five hours a week. And we were like, yeah, that that sounds pretty awesome. Let's, yeah, let's do that. Uh, did not work out that way for us, but that was the, that was the idea behind it. Instead, I'm fighting drug addicts in the laundromat. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm sure you got like some sort of award back at the, I'm not even going to pretend I understood what you said, Croft McGraw or whatever, Tim McGraw, <laughs> but uh, y y your face is, <laughs> your face of achievement is probably on the wall there. And I'm sure that guy went out and shared the story amongst the rest of the homeless community that, hey, don't, don't walk in there and prepare. This dude is ready to go to go toe to toe. <laughs> I, I, outside of that dude making a mistake walking in there. And, mm -hmm. and you not knowing that talk to us a little bit because we don't know laundry bad stuff. We've all used them probably growing up in college potentially. And clearly our avatar, the person listening to this is not using a, a laundry mat, but there's reasons uh, why to, to purchase them. You shared some of the money potentially can make the time commitment. I'd love to hear though, some of the, the things that as we start digging into this, some of the mistakes you made. Uh, and I then obviously we can go into maybe some of the success stories as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think your demographic probably should be using them not to go do their own laundry, but to let them come to their house and pick them up, pick that laundry up and go do it, and bring it home. So that's, uh, that's an awesome service and nobody likes to do laundry. So let somebody else do it. Uh, uh, listen, I'm listening. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Never do laundry again. That's my life motto. Uh, probably the best reason to buy a laundromat so you can have somebody else do your own laundry. But I mean, going back to going back to mistakes uh, and, and your question there is, you know, I, I made a lot of them and a lot of them were very expensive mistakes. Um, but some of the some of the big mistakes that I made. Well, number one is when I bought my first laundromat, this was almost a decade ago. There really wasn't that much information out there about laundromats, about how to run them, how to buy them, how to value them, what to look out for. And this is a this is a cash business, right? So there's a lot of potential gotchas, especially on that acquisition side and the due diligence side, you know, can can really bite you if you don't know what you're doing. So, you know, a lot of the mistakes probably to your audience are going to feel like, yeah, no duh, uh, mistakes. But for me, I knew nothing about business and I knew nothing about investing and really anything about anything. Um, and so, 
I, the mistake that I made was, uh, I relied solely on one of the two people who stood to gain from me buying the laundromat, right? The seller and the broker. And I relied almost entirely on the broker for my information on how to buy it, what it's worth, what to do with it, uh, after. And that was a huge, uh, mistake because that particular broker turns out just didn't have my best interest in mind. I was just trying to make a sale and that really came to bite me in the butt. And one of the things that the broker told me, which leads into mistake number two, is that, hey, listen, this this laundromat is what we call in the business a zombie mat. Uh, it's basically a fixer-upper laundromat. And he said, look, we're going to be fixing this place up and, you know, putting new machines in here. So we know that this laundromat's really just breaking even. It's not really making money. So we don't really need to do any due diligence um, on this laundromat. And so we did almost no due diligence here. And so it turned out that the laundromat was not breaking even, it was losing money. And then when I took out a note to put in new equipment, it was losing even more money at that time. And I ended up losing money, thousands of dollars a month for a couple of years. Uh, Jordan, by the way, the, the, in our world, they call that the Murray method. The, the, okay. the, the, the no oh. research and just jump head first. The, yeah, we'll just yeah. take the word. Yeah. Yeah. Look, well, by the way, yeah. this, this section of the podcast brought to you by 100unicorns.com. 100unicorns.com, the most magical place on the internet. Continue, Jordan. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> look, I got a good company. That's all. That's all I need to know. I just need a friend who's going down that same path with me. Uh, so yeah, so that ended up being a, uh, that ended up being just a costly mistake, obviously. Um, and you know, a, kind of along the same lines is, you know, and going back to that fight, uh, one of three, uh, people that I put in the hospital from that laundromat, uh, is I, I, I knew it was in rough condition, right? I knew the laundromat was in rough condition. I did not know that this particular laundromat had literally become gang territory. Like the owner almost never went there. They were scared to go there. And, you know, I knew it was neglected. I didn't know it was neglected because it was gang territory. So I ended up actually in a gang war for this, to get this laundromat back. It was, that was not what I signed up. I had two young kids at the time. I'm thinking in my head, like, why am I here? How, how is this happening? Like, I don't, want to die. I don't want to kill somebody and go to jail. <laughs> like, you know, like what is going on right now? So I didn't understand sort of the neighborhood that I was in and you know, what it was going to take to actually fully rehab this property. I, I had a, an idea of what it meant to put new machines in and paint and flooring. I didn't have any idea about this other uh, side of the business here. Just for clarity, was the gentleman who you helped to the hospital a crip or a blood? I'm just like, what color would he wear? <laughs> well, there's a there's a local gang uh, in this is in Montebello, so shout out to all you homies out there uh, out in Montebello, California. Uh, so I won't mention which gang it is. Yeah, um, Joey yeah. was in the army, by the way, the Salvation Army. So he he really <laughs> understands all gangs, you know, you know, signs and uh, colors. Joey and I are like two peas in the same pod right now. And I, I went to University of Montevallo. I mean, okay. so we're we're really close. This is it's getting it's getting a little weird right now. To be honest with you, it's getting a little weird how close we are. Uh, if only my beard could get to your level, we'd be you'd be right at it. 
See me uh, after. See me after. Uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> it, you guys have connected. That's good. <laughs> Let's talk about how to do this the right way. Because clearly yeah. we would not be having you on the show if uh, the only thing that you were good at was taking people to the cleaners. I mean, to the hospital. Um, so let's talk about, you know, what did you do? So you, you had this one, what did this lead to? Uh, cause there's obviously more to the story. Yeah. So, you know, I had a bright idea. I had a, I had a broker, different broker, uh, bring me an off market deals or a pocket listing and it was going to be a seller finance deal and it came with the real estate and I was like, sweet, this is awesome. And you know, one thing I did find out is that once you get that first laundromat, and I find this true in real estate, a lot of places, right? Once you get that first deal, a lot of doors start opening up to you. More deals come your way, financing comes your way, all that stuff, right? And so I was like, okay, yeah, like this is awesome. Here's the plan is this one that I just purchased is losing a bunch of money. So the plan is let's buy this one and its gains can help me float this one until I can get this one back running, uh, which was, you know, genius plan, you know, as it is. And I'm like, listen, I already know all the things not to do now. Like I am, I'm fully educated now. I paid good money for that education, but it turns out I didn't learn all the lessons, uh, and due to some complications in the escrow process and it lengthening out and me, uh, doing all the due diligence on the front end, but not again on the back end over like a five month escrow period, a brand new, larger laundromat opened up the day I took over half a mile away uh, from that second laundromat. And oh, wow. so an immediate 40% drop in business uh, from day one. So that was a punch to the get for sure. <laughs> uh, now, Jordan, we actually led into this question with uh, what went well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know if you heard the question. I... <laughs> uh, just clarify oh, that again. I... Well, uh, tell, tell us where there's actually you know, light at the end of the laundromat here. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the light is that I'm here saying, I think probably a lot of people listening to this should probably buy a laundromat despite all the things that I've said so far. Um, and I want to tell you why, because, uh, you know, it is kind of funny, like, listen, nobody wants to get in buy business and end up having a fight, right? Like that's obviously that's an anomaly. I don't want to, you know, scare anybody with that. That's not typical at all. Uh, but also nobody wants to buy a business to lose money, right? So why 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 be here and say, hey, I think you should buy a laundromat? Uh, because the the original dream is still alive, right? The original dream is is still attainable for just about anybody uh, as long as you buy that first laundromat the right way the first time. We can talk about uh, I'll tell you how how to do that, but. You know, as I was like in my depths of despair and losing all this money all over the place, uh, I was looking around and saying, hey, there's so many people making good money in this business. I think I'm just like missing one or two pieces of information, right? Like that's all it's going to take for me. And so I went on this desperate search for that. Um, and, uh, you know, here's a couple, a couple of things that you need to do to make sure to get in the right way. The first time is, you know, number one, you've got to value the business properly. You, you've got to do it. And that's easier said than done with the laundromat because most laundromats still are all cash businesses. So, you know, uh, most of the time books aren't either, they're not going to have books or, or they're going to be bad or they're going to be very good. 
Like maybe they'll have more than one book. You know what I mean? Uh, are you just, in order to value the books on a cash business, are you really just having to go and pull bank statements so you're just able to show the deposits they're making to validate the books that they're, uh, that they're giving you? Well, that sounds very logical and <laughs> ideal and naive of you. Sounds like something I would have said earlier. On. <laughs> so, so, are you saying that people who get paid in cash don't necessarily want to put it into the bank right away? They, they try to, uh, is it launder? I don't know. I don't want to say that. How, how do they get, how, how do you, how do you track the money here? Maybe it's, it's tough. Okay. It's tough. So, so the way, so bank statements is one way to sort of ballpark it, but you'll find a lot of owners are not depositing everything. And then the other thing that happens is the money coming into your laundromats is the quarters that go into the machines. However, a lot of people use the change machine to buy the quarters and most laundromat owners will take the quarters out of the machines, count them, put them back in the change machines, take the, the bills from the change machines and deposit that. Um, but that's not going to be a one-to-one -one correlation of how much money actually came in the business. Some people bring their own quarters. Some people buy $20 worth of quarters and leave, you know, only spend $8 or whatever. Right. So it's not going to be a one-to-one -one correlation. So that those bank statements don't always match up. So what I recommend doing is number one, have somebody who understands the business help you. But number two is there's a range of how much money's coming in. And I kind of half joke, usually it's somewhere between what they tell the government on the low side and what they tell you on the high side, how much money's coming in, right? The truth is usually somewhere in the middle, but the goal of due diligence for like a laundromat is to narrow that range as much as possible. And we do that by layering a whole bunch of different techniques of verifying income, uh, such as we do coin counts. Um, you know, where we actually go in over a series of days or weeks and count the coins. Um, we're looking at utility bills, uh, both to see, you know, the trajectory of how much water is being used. Water in particular um, is being used because we can kind of gauge like how business is doing based on how much water is used. But there's also a spreadsheet, which you, you could actually download for free uh, on laundromatresource.com that will actually uh, estimate uh, a ballpark figure of how much money is coming in based on how much water is being used. Um, and so uh, we're, we're using these different techniques, taxes, bank statements, all that stuff, all that data, those data points we're utilizing to narrow that range and we're looking for anomalies. And when we have anomalies, that's when we need to dig in uh, a little more and get some more answers. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher's saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. Man, that, that that's so good. By, by the way, Trevor, uh, we're going to take all the resources that Jordan's going to throw at you as, as well as the name of the gym and fight club he's a part of, 
and we're going to put it on one resource for you. So if you want to go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash laundromat, and I didn't even know how to spell laundry. I know that doesn't shock you, Joey, but it, I was thinking laundry, like I was actually trying to completely spell it. And Google keeps telling me this other answer. And I'm like, that's not how you spell it, Google. So yeah. laundromat Google, is L-A-U-N-D-R-O-M-A-T. Laundromat. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, I was one person listening to the show this joining you on that. Everybody else is like, Russ, I've seen a laundromat before. I know how to spell it. So Okay. Never mind. It's pretty calm. It's pretty common. So you you mentioned there's a, a number they're giving you. There's a low number and a high number. We need to figure that out, and you can kind of start to, to nail it. What are other numbers we need to know for trying to buy a laundromat to know yeah. if it's a good deal? Yeah, so there's four basic numbers you're looking for in order to value laundromat. So the first one is what's called the net operating income. All that is is your total income minus your expenses before loan payments and taxes, things like that. Um, so that's your net operating income. That's the cornerstone of the value of the laundromat. And all you're going to do is apply a multiple to that net operating income in order to determine the value. And you need the other three numbers to determine that multiple, right? And the average multiple right now, right now is about four to five and a half. That's up about a half a tick from what it has been in the past. But I'm seeing about four to five and a half uh, being uh, the range there. And uh, the other three numbers, three numbers that we need for the uh, uh, t- to value the laundromat are number one, we need the age of the equipment. Uh, obviously, newer equipment is better than older equipment, so the multiple will be higher if it's new and lower if it's old. Uh, number two is going to be the rent amount, and the rent amount is you know how do you know if it's a good rent or not? Right, that's a big question. And the way that I use to look at it is the percentage of the gross income, rent as a percentage of the gross income, right? And the number that we're shooting for is right around 25% of the gross income for rent. Obviously lower than that, even better. Um, But 25% is what we're shooting for. It's not a hard and fast number, but that's what we're shooting for. And then the third number that we need is the number of years remaining on the lease. And for a laundromat, more years is better than less years. Uh, we're very infrastructure heavy, so you can't just transplant a laundromat if the, if the landlord decides to raise your rent or to cancel your rent, not renew it. Now, if, if the rent number is substantially lower than 25%, it could be an indicator that you're in gang territory. True or false? False. Uh, gang territory tends to be better business, I'm just saying, so... <laughs> All right, go take uh, go take it to the gym. Uh, right. So and, and just go there. But the the other question I have about the range of the multiple mm-hmm. is there is there more than one like business model that a laundromat operates under? Like, are they all the same? And they that model that that range just depends on those other three factors that you mentioned, or is it you know? some specific business models that are different that would yield a higher or lower multiple. Yeah. So on the acquisition side, there's sort of two classification and tell me if I'm answering your question, but two classifications here, we got your like fixer upper zombie mats, which basically are not making money. Right. And the, the, the valuation method starts to break down when the laundromat's not making money. You've got to sort of shift gears a little bit 
do a little more projections and a little more research in order to figure out how much you can pay. Um, and and there is there's controversy about this on the internet, but there, I my opinion is there is value in a laundromat that's breaking even or even losing money because all that infrastructure is worth something. And in a lot of places, you can't easily or cheaply build a new laundromat. So there is some value there. Uh, but determining how much on the fixer upper side is uh, a little bit of an art form. Um, and then there's more of like a turnkey model uh, where everything's, you're just buying the cash flow basically. And that's where this uh, acquisition model or valuation model really thrives. And then, you know, you got the in between where maybe there's some fixing to do, you know, by large, if it's making money, this is a way to value laundromat uh, here. Jordan, in the multifamily space, as an example, they will go in with this value add principle of, hey, we're going to add a dog park. We're going to add, you know, uh, cable internet or some, or some, you know, service that we can immediately start increasing rents, which ultimately is going to increase the value. Talk about the ways that you can go in and add value to an existing service. Cause you I kind of think there must be, if you're saying, Hey, if I can buy one that's breaking even, there's probably things that you know how to do that will immediately add revenue and start making it profitable. What would be those things? Yeah. Well, the lowest hanging fruit for a lot of laundromats, yeah, this is a very mom and pop business still very mom and pop. One thing that we are not very good at as an industry as a whole is uh, raising our prices and keeping up with inflation and, you know, especially lately. Right. Um, so one quick win, a lot of times you can come in and get prices up to, you know, market price or where they should be. Um, and that's a way to increase revenue pretty quickly. However, people don't love it when you just raise prices for no reason out of nowhere, especially if it's more than like a quarter or so. Um, so, you know, in any little cosmetic or aesthetic things that you can do, paint, flooring, easy, cheap, those kinds of things uh, are always good. Um, and I always recommend if you're doing things on the inside, do something on the outside too, because you don't want to do all this work and spend all this money and time and effort fixing up the inside and nobody on the outside can tell that you've actually done anything. Uh, so change a sign, paint the outside of the building, plant some plants, something um, on the outside too, right? And then you can do bigger things like add new equipment uh, that's going to be more efficient. You can charge more for it. People like shiny new things, right? So you've got you know, those levers to pull. And then you can also, you can add a service side to the business. Most laundromats still don't really have a service side. So whether that's a drop-off or like we talked about earlier, pick up and delivery uh, service to your laundromat. And those can be huge revenue generators. Well, I mean, that to me right there is, is the, and I missed this clearly, and I think others would too, if you think, oh, well, I'm not going to go to a laundromat because I just, that's just not who I am. I'm not, you know, I have my own washer and dryer here in my house. I don't need to go get in a fight with the guy, the the one, you know, and maybe not the nicer part of town. But to your point, it's I'm like good. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you your could. Life is I just, boring. You need. A I'm not thrill. well trained. I mean, like if I'll Joey's the, the bomb, I, I'm going to take my chances. But uh, it sounds like <laughs> the guy you had already had way more skill set than he was going to bring to the table. <laughs> I'm out. I'm gone. I'm running the other way. Right, Russ. You do work out though. I mean, oh, I, I, I'm a, an intimidating person, specimen. but that's, that's yeah. what I see when I see you specimen. But when you see these hands, you're like, there's no fighting in those hands. You know? <laughs> those are soft hands. They do look soft. 
So the, but I, I do think that there's an interesting thing that you can now even take a model where you can even start going into a nicer area of people who can afford the service, who can afford to pay for the X, the, the upsells and would never even come in your store, never even have to like be in that neighborhood necessarily. Are, are you seeing that where people are going out and just marketing into those areas and that's how they're able to scale and what's the margins there as compared to them having to come in? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's, uh, there's different ways to scale, right? It's, this business is so simple, but there's so many different ways to, to run this business. So many different ways to succeed, which I think is pretty cool actually. So, you know, you can scale by adding more locations and, and increasing your surface area, you know, that way, or you can scale by adding like a pickup and delivery, right? Where you can, you know, if you're at a self-serve laundromat, maybe you're serving a half mile or a mile radius around your store. But if you do pick up and delivery, that radius can expand out a lot. So, I mean, I think it's a great way to scale your business there. Um, and, you know, in terms of margins, it depends, right? There are people who add, you know, that service side of the business who are not making money uh, because you've got to, you know, when, when you add a pickup and delivery, this is a this is a different business, right? You're not no longer are you leasing equipment to somebody else to do the work of their laundry. Now you've got a logistics company and you're processing laundry and you know, so you've got all these things that you've got to do now. Um, and you've got to charge accordingly, right? And uh, and that's difficult to do. And you've got to hit a certain scale to make it worth your time. And, you know, and you've got to get there as quickly as possible, right? Because if you've got a driver or if it's you driving all around town to all these different places to pick up laundry, well, you're wasting a lot of gas, which is not cheap. I don't know how much it is there, but we're up over six bucks around here, a gallon. Um, and, and time for that driver, right? And so you've got to have enough scale in specific areas where it makes it worth it to go make a drive, pick up some laundry in an area, bring it back, process it. Right. So, um, but when done correctly, I mean, you're looking at probably 40% margins on that, uh, on that pickup and delivery side. Uh, that is really good. Um, and especially if you know the factors to bring into the model ahead of time, you don't figure it out on the back end. That, oh, I'm not charging enough for all these other variables. So I know we, we want to get to like, how do we actually implement this ourselves? But before we do, from a time, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this from a passive income standpoint, time is our greatest thing we're trying to save. Talk about the most hands-off version of laundromat ownership um, from a time perspective up to maybe the higher end, you know, what's that range look like on a weekly basis as a laundromat owner? Yeah, so... So, you know, laundromats get billed as this passive income stream, right? And listen, I, one thing I say is whenever you're dealing with machines or people, you're going to have problems. There's going to be stuff to do. Laundromats have a whole bunch of both coming through their doors, right? People coming through, machines operating, right? So you're going to have issues. So I would say laundromats are not a passive income source. However, if there's a scale, a continuum of completely passive to completely active, you can heavily weigh your laundromat towards that passive side. So, you know, an average maybe self-serve laundromat owner is probably spending maybe about five hours a week, um, maybe five to 10 on the high side hours a week, assuming they're not 
sitting at their laundromat all day, which some people do, but my mind kind of misses the point a little bit, but, uh, you know, teach their own. Um, so, but you know, at five ish hours is probably a pretty good number, especially after it's kind of up and running and going, you understand the business. Um, that's probably what you're looking at in terms of, you know, self-serve laundromat that has maybe an attendant or a cleaner, you know, going on there and maybe you have odd weeks where you go up to 10 hours. Um, so completely passive, no, but that's pretty good. Especially if you're working a high tech job where you're working 70 hours a week and you go down to five and replace your income. Right. And, and that's what I think the power of a laundromat is, is we, and I didn't mention this before, but you know, when you're, you're buying a laundromat, you're buying cash flow and a base hit average laundromat, you can expect a 20 to 25% uh, return on your investment. And that's unleveraged. Right. And so, you know, once you add a loan, those, you know, that percentage return on your investment can go up from there. And so for a laundromat, you know, almost probably 99% of America could replace their income, their W-2 income with one to three laundromats. Uh, that's all it would take to replace your income. And so, you know, if you, when we're talking about, you know, replacing an income and going down to five hours a week, that's not a bad, uh, that's not a bad gig there. Uh, you can get a lot more active than that, but that's where you can start. Jordan, how hard is it to find that one to three laundromats? I think that's a, a great question for us to try to answer and solve. Is there a, a plethora of laundromats out there for us to to find? If so, what would be the resource we would go search for those? Yeah, so it's more difficult than ever since I've been in the business to find a laundromat right now. You know, we've got, you know, people like a Cody Sanchez. We've got... uh you know, a Brandon Schlichter with investment joy, all those TikTok videos of coin collecting, you know, we've got uh premier top tier podcasts like wealth without wall street talking about laundromats and really getting the word out. Right. So there's more interest than ever uh, about laundromats. Um, and, and there's really not a ton on the market. So it's a tough market to, to find laundromats for sale. There are plenty of laundromats for sale right now. Um, but it's more difficult to find them than it has been since I've been in business. And a lot of people are finding more success by going direct to the sellers through like direct mail marketing, uh, or, you know, something like, or door knocking type of thing. Um, so easier said than done right now, but, uh, you know, talking to laundromat brokers, talking to small business brokers and letting people know that that's what you're looking for. That's the way to find them. Yeah. We always talk about the power of putting out what you're looking for is those opportunities will then easily find you. It's just people don't know. They, they think of, especially if you have a day job, people like to put you in a category of, oh, he's an engineer or she's a, a lawyer or whatever. And, and you're actually an investor, right? You're an investor looking to expand into laundromats or whatever the case may be. As soon as you put that out there, it's like people now know what to bring to you. And uh, so that's, that makes a lot of sense. So two, two final questions that I have, and maybe Russ has some as well. One, let's assume I want to do something like this and I would like to go at it myself, like more of a DIY, like I want to be a Jordan minus the, you know, the Crom McGraw and I want to own laundromats personally. 
what would be a way like you have resources you would recommend people use and then finally what's on the horizon for jordan what like what are you looking forward to in terms of your laundromat kind of career yeah great question so number one i mean there's a ton of free resources you can get to them wealthwithoutwallstreet.com slash laundromat um got a podcast and all that stuff uh, but I'd say if you're if you're seriously considering buying a laundromat, uh, I've I put together a course uh, that'll be linked on that uh, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com/laundromat. Also, I'll give you guys that link. Um, and this course is, you know, number one, you're going to get all those real expensive, hard-earned lessons that I learned uh, just packed right in there uh, from my personal experience of buying laundromat. Uh, but but also, you know, I've done. Now I've done hundreds of consulting calls. I've analyzed thousands of laundromat deals. I'm a laundromat broker here in California, and I interview the most successful laundromat owners around the world. Um, and so all of that knowledge has gone into this course, and we've built out premium tools that you're not going to be able to find anywhere else that you'll also have access to through that course. So uh, like I said, this is a cash business. There can be a lot of gotchas, and this course is going to help you avoid kind of all those obstacles in the road. So ton of free information. I'd start there, but when you're getting serious, I think that course is, uh, it's worth its weight in gold. If I would have taken it, it literally would have saved me six figures of, of losses there. So that is where to go. Um, and where to start, uh, if you're interested in buying a laundromat in terms of the way forward, uh, the plan here is to buy a whole bunch of laundromats. Um, I've actually been selling off uh, I just sold that that first laundromat, my uh, you know my own personal MMA cage. Uh, I just sold that one not too long ago, and I'm selling off some of my smaller uh, laundromats uh, because the goal is to personally to extract myself from operations and to go out and and buy on scale. Uh, and so I'm putting together a fund uh, with a couple other guys, and uh, we're going out to go buy a bunch of laundromats. That that sounds like if you're not into the Croft Maga, um, you know, strategy, that may be an easier approach for the stallion, right? Like if you're the DIYer, you may want to like learn how to do this, go find uh, the business broker, hit up Jordan, go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash laundromat, and you can get all the details of how to start analyzing the good deals versus the bad deals, man. Thank you, Jordan, for coming on the show. It's a lot of fun. Um, maybe the first uh, fight story we've had on here. So, you know, they say the yeah, first rule of first fight clubs, you don't talk about fight club. We're talking about it. So clearly this isn't fight club, but it is an interesting strategy. Laundromat. That was the first. Man, a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, just to set expectations, there are no Krav Maga lessons in the course. But I'd be open to putting one of those together if you end up needing one. So let me know. Man, I, I would I'd pay you money to see you and Joey, you know, spar a little bit. So we next time we're in California. Step that up. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely come by and put one of those sleeper holds on him if you would. Yeah. We'll put them to sleep real fast. Maybe we should do that for your community. Uh go join the community. And uh, you know, we get, you know, hundred thousand people in that community. Joey and I'll go at it. Oh man, Dude. this is hey, this, I'm I'm up for that. I'm up. Money for a good cause. He's got five kids, and we're gonna need it. All right, so let's let's get you back I to your day. Guys without a dad, though, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm sure that dude was a dad. He just didn't know. Uh, 
who the kids were potentially. But all right, let, let's let's move on. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Hope you had as much fun as uh, Jordan, Joey, and I did um, today. Uh, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.